Support for LAist comes from FX, presenting Justified, City Primeval. Raylan Givens is sent to Detroit where he collides with a sociopath and a formidable attorney, starring Timothy Oliphant and Angie Ellis. All episodes at fxnetworks.com FYC. Studios. There's this one point where the sun just gets so, so bright that, you know, even looking at it, it's hard, but you want to so badly because it's so beautiful. Hey, y'all, this is How to LA, the podcast that drops a little knowledge about the city each episode. I'm Brian De Los Santos. Today is going to be a little bit different. We want to bring you some joy and talk about the most L.A. thing we can think of. Our city's beautiful sunsets. Because you can see the sun go down from all sorts of vantage points here, we figured most people in L.A. probably have a favorite place to watch the sunset, right? I remember when I got my first big boy job in Santa Monica. I would wait out that Friday traffic every so often and catch the sunset at the beach. When the sun rays begin to fade, it's the most romantic thing, even if you're by yourself. I don't have to be at a certain beach to enjoy the sunset. I just have to be by the Pacific. Spots like this are something a lot of Angelinos can connect over. So that's why we didn't just want to hear about my favorite spot. We wanted to hear about yours. We reached out on Twitter and Instagram to ask y'all, what's your favorite sunset spot? We got some replies, and we also got some dope stories. Stories about Angelinos finding escape from the L.A. hustle, about coming to love it, and about missing it. So next up, you're going to hear sunset stories from Mallory, Steve, and Nicole. Mallory Cara first moved to L.A. in 2010 for graduate school. And searching for new spots to hang out, she followed the recommendation of a Facebook friend and ended up at the Yamashiro Night Market, perched above Franklin Avenue in the Hollywood Heights. Walking in, you were just surrounded by these vendors, this liveliness and joy. You hear the sizzling of the food being cooked, and you hear the murmur of the crowd. You hear the live music that's going on in one of the tents. And I felt like when I walked in there, all the troubles of the earlier week melted away because I was here. I was going to eat some good food, try something new. I was going to watch a great sunset. You can always tell because the colors start to illuminate in the sky, like these pinkish and blue hues that just start to move across the sky and just get brighter and brighter. And there's also this one point where the sun just gets so, so bright that, you know, even looking at it, it's hard, but you want to so badly because it's so beautiful and it's just hard. So you're kind of like, do I put on my sunglasses so I can see the colors, but... I also can't see them through the sunglasses because it's dark out. The thing is, it's always a surprise. Sometimes it's orange and blue. Sometimes there's some pinkish hue. I remember not wanting to leave until I was sure that it wasn't going to get more majestic. Though the restaurant Yamashiro is still around, the Yamashiro night market eventually closed down because of COVID. And Mallory moved to the west side. She says that because of traffic, it's less convenient to get to the spot. That's another thing I know a lot of us have in common, sitting in traffic. 
Our next sunset story is from Steve Cha. And his is kind of unusual because his favorite spot to see the sunset is actually from his car. Inching along Sunset Boulevard, heading west, while sitting in traffic. When Steve first came to LA in 2008, he worked at Sunset Gower Studios. Like so many others, he just wanted to be part of the entertainment industry. I would be driving towards West Hollywood on Sunset Boulevard. It'd be a commute to rage. <laughs> It'd be a commute to rage, which was a club in West Hollywood. And I would go specifically on Friday nights for a weekly event called Game Boy. And Game Boy was marketed towards and patroned by gay Asian American men. That was my weekly pilgrimage at one point. One of the reasons I moved down was because LA has the most Koreans outside of Korea. I also wanted to connect with queer Korean Americans. And I thought if I was going to find any, they're going to be here in LA. And lo and behold, I found a few of them. I found several Asian queer API communities and I thought these are rare in the United States. I would say it's actually probably rare in Asia too to find this opportunity to feel less alone. Whatever you want to find in LA, I think it's here. You have to drive to it, which is annoying, but I think LA has a community for everyone. And so I stayed. The city was something that I have come to love like the sunset. It looked like the postcards where it effortlessly looked beautiful. The reality was actually more beautiful than the fantasy that you see in the images about LA. And that specific image, the way the dark silhouettes of palm trees in the distance and like the way it leads into the skies, it helps you deal with traffic. And that's LA for you. There's something here for everybody. Okay, one last sunset story. It's from Nicole Voss. She grew up in the South Bay and her favorite spot? Well, I've been here too and I have to say it's so pretty. It's Redondo Beach. She used to go there as a kid, but after college, she followed jobs to other cities, Phoenix, then Washington, D.C. But when she left LA, she always felt something just wasn't quite right. And when I was in D.C., I did a beach weekend out to one of the Delaware beaches. And it was the strangest thing to me being at an East Coast beach at sunset time and seeing the sunset in the opposite direction, not on the water. (laughs) I had never thought about that until I was there. And I was like, wait a second. Grown up near the beach and seeing the sunset from there, that just feels like home. Sometimes we would go to old Tony's on the piers, even sometimes just after dinner at home. My dad would suggest taking a walk down to the pier and then take a walk in the sand. It gets windy at the beach at night. We'd still be in jeans and a hoodie and just kick off my shoes. My dad would hold my shoes so that I could dip my toes in rather than me holding them myself. 
I would squish my feet in the sand, be mesmerized by the water rolling in, and then feel the pull as it rolls back, washing the sand off a little bit, and then my feet would sink in deeper. Sometimes it would come in a little higher, get a little splash on my jeans unexpectedly, and the back and forth of the water coming in, coming out. I'm not even saying that this is the best thing about LA, but being able to go to the ocean is the part that is home for me. Okay, I definitely know what she's talking about because I love an ocean breeze too. I mean, who doesn't? We hope you enjoyed their stories as much as I did. And maybe you love LA even more after listening to them. I know I definitely have to hit up Redondo Beach again. It's been far too long for me. If you want to visit any of the locations mentioned in their stories, please visit LAS.com slash HowToLA. There you will find directions to each spot, plus a few other places you might want to check out. All right, LA, see you soon. Support for this podcast is made possible by Gordon and Donna Crawford, who believe that quality journalism makes Los Angeles a better place to live. This program is made possible in part by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting, a private corporation funded by the American people. Support for LAist comes from Apple TV+. Plus, Presenting Monarch, Legacy of Monsters. Starring Kurt Russell, Wyatt Russell, Anna Sawai, and Godzilla. Father and son acting duo Kurt Russell and Wyatt Russell play older and younger versions of Lee Shaw, the founder of Monarch, a secretive organization connected to Godzilla. As actors and team players, Kurt and Wyatt have a lot in common. We've had a similar life. His game was hockey, mine was baseball. One point in our lives, it was how we were going to make our living. To apply that to our business, I don't know how to look at life other than as a, as no. a win, win lose ball, ball game. I think we, we're the type of people that like, we want to be impact players. And you want to help your club win every time you go out there. Whether that club's a movie set, a story you're telling, on the ice, on the baseball field. I think we realize that we are much more alike than we are different. <laughs> Here's executive producer Chris Black. I think it should be about this family. I think it should be about secrets. It should be about a pair of siblings discovering each other and discovering that their father could not be trusted and was not the man he said he was. That's what brings them together and sends them on a quest, if you will, to find out the truth about the family and their father. And it's that journey that takes you into the world of the monsters. For Kurt and Wyatt Russell, being so close helped them sort out how to both play the same character. We work together quite a bit. We work together well. What's been your most favorite part of the show? When I was working with you on... <laughs> trying to figure Lee Shaw out, <laughs> yeah. you know, and then taking it to the guys and saying, what do you think? Uh, who is this guy? What, where is he going to go? Where did he come from? And doing that, doing that with you, I've, I've actually never done that really with much with another actor, but I've never played the same, the same role. <laughs> <laughs> so that was fun. TV Line says Monarch Legacy of Monsters is incredible and Empire roars that it's epic. More on Monarch Legacy of Monsters at fyc.appletvplus.com.